but the experience piece is, is, is very important too in creating a community for each brand and just engage super fan customers, treat, treating them as if, as if they're family. And that's kind of our, our mantra and how, how we view our customers. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Honest E-Commerce. I am Chase Clymer coming to you from Columbus, Ohio. And today's guest on the podcast is John Roman. He is a serial entrepreneur. John is the CMO and co-founder of Battlebox, along with the, being the managing partner at Carnivore Club and six other brands in the e-commerce space. I feel like he's going to have a lot to share with us today. Uh, welcome to the show, John. Hey, Chase. Glad to be here. Awesome. Where are you, coming, where are you calling in from? Uh, Metro Atlanta. The suburbs. Oh, nice, nice. I will actually be down there shortly for a wedding. Okay. Uh, when? Hey, <laughs> uh, in about two weeks from now. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So the uh, the weather will still be really good. It'll be a lot better than Columbus, that's for sure. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So you're managing and you have your hands in almost eight brands. You know what led you there? Like, what's your what's your background? How'd you end up in this in this position? Completely by accident. Um, not not quite, but. So my background is business to business sales, sales leadership, typically telecommunication, software as a service uh, companies. And I was doing that. And in 2015, I was, uh, I had, we had a company that we had some shares in that I was working for publicly traded, uh, was purchased. I got a you know decent little payday. And I was trying to find some investments and, and really just try to, in a very, I guess, non-scary way, try to build something outside of, of you know, working for big companies so that I could eventually not have to do that. And a friend that I went to college with, Daniel Dabbs, we had linked up. I have a Christmas party every year. And he, had, uh, he came to that. We were talking. Uh, he ran a company at the time that was um, kind of uh, t-shirts, swag, like marketing kind of material stuff, logos and stuff for uh, for companies and or actually just individuals. They had a couple locations outside of universities. So the slow time for him was December. He was chatting with me about, uh, you know, I, I want to do something else. We, we threw a bunch of ideas around. Uh, none of which were battle box. Um, it was more kind of consulting ideas. And then fast forward in February of, of the next year, 2015, he's, uh, he comes up with this idea is his wife was getting a birch box subscription box in the mail. And he was like watching her excitement level and unboxing it each month when to find, uh, you know, a box for him. He wanted to experience this and he wanted kind of outdoor camping gear. Uh, survival gear couldn't find one. Uh, three weeks after that, he had, he had launched a a website and and was ready to go. And that's uh, I came in as an investment with offering kind of my assistance from like a business side on a very uh, very small scale. And we saw exponential growth. And uh, about a year later, 
I, I quit my job and, and jumped in this full time. And now we're just continuing to try to grow and diversify. And I've fallen in love with, with e-commerce. It's, uh, it's just, it's, it's such an enjoyable uh, industry. I can agree completely. There's just something. I think it's the tangibility of the numbers, and if you if you have any if that appeals to you at all, like you can see where your efforts are helping, or you can quickly see if you've uh, made a mistake and you failed fast, and you got to move on from it. A hundred percent. And uh, I'm a kind of a data nerd, so I can just completely geek out on the analytics and come up with business plans based based on that. It's just it's a it's a lot of fun. It plays a a lot of my strengths too, which just makes it even even more enjoyable. Absolutely. So let's go back to the first one. So Battlebox, where did you guys find your initial kind of growth? Uh, what was what was working for you back then? So, you know, none of us really had any e-commerce background at all. Um, you know, Daniel had this great idea, and we opened up a website and. We had gathered from the masses, you know, you you run a you run an ad on Facebook, and people are gonna you know come by if they like it. And this is circa 2015, so you know we're acquiring customers for for four and five dollars, which is you know just it was the the heyday uh, at that time. It was you know acquiring customers for that was insane. So that that was our focus. It was it was 100% Facebook acquiring customers for four or five bucks. Running ads, it was uh, that was the sole focus because, you know, uh, out of pure naivety, we we didn't know any better. It worked, and if it works, why would we not just could just do that? Absolutely, and we'll get into what happens when it doesn't work here in a bit. I have a few more questions. <laughs> um, so, was your first website? Uh, what was it built on? So we initially launched on CrateJoy, which is a, a niche subscription box centric platform, mm-hmm. um, and it was great. It it allowed. Daniel had a, had a website up using their template within a, a couple of days, and it 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 made it a lot of the 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 business aspect of it from the digital side a, a lot easier to to onboard and kind of get honestly a what could be considered less less than even proof of concept up and selling. Uh, so it was really you know we're not with them anymore for for a multitude of reasons, but. At the time, it, it was it was great. We we had a site up and running, taking orders within within a couple of weeks total. Yeah, I mean, you got to find out whether or not your product had any legs. You know, finding that product market fit. Um, I think that's. I, I remember Crate Joy. I I believe it's still around. Um, they are. Yeah, yeah. But I remember when the whole uh, subscription model kind of like got super popular. Um, and you know, a lot of things were launching on Create Joy, and I, I think, yeah, just it, that can test product market fit real quickly, and then just like kind of going to today, I can kind of see parallels because Create Joy also almost had a marketplace element to it, did it not? They no, they did, they did, and uh, yeah, that was some that was a big thing they were pushing because they they were getting a, a reoccurring percentage of the revenue from each box, so it was a potential great revenue source for them. So they were really, really, really pushing that. Yeah, so I think that's that's cool. So these days, if you're start you're thinking about starting a business subscription, you know, Create Joy might be a good idea, or just just to see if your product has legs, throw it up on Amazon. You know what I mean? And if it's if you're seeing the sales there, it means that you are onto something, and then it might be worthwhile to invest in an actual website and building an actual brand. Right, a hundred percent. Before you you know dump your savings or a large sum of money, yeah, test it. You'll you'll find out pretty quickly. 
Absolutely. So, um, you know, after Crate Joy, I'm assuming you jumped over to Shopify. We did. So we were we were with Crate Joy for uh, two and a half years. We had a combination of a semi falling out with them. Semi, we really couldn't. We we had kind of outgrown them, and and a lot of the the things we wanted to offer our customers, we just weren't able to. Uh, so yeah, so we moved over to Shopify. Uh, plus, and then we went with recharge for the uh, the subscription billing piece. Hey, you answered my next question. Yeah, we 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 love recharge. Those those guys are 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 great. They feel like um, when we're when we're working with them, and I have a uh, a couple calls monthly with with our account manager. Um, it's like he's part of our business. Ask ask questions like he cares, and and gets strategy and plans with us to really really try to grow the business. They're my number one recommendation for subscription as long as it's pretty straightforward. As the, the further you get away from like the traditional subscription model, you might be trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Oh, we, we, yeah, we, we, we broke some things for sure. Um, when, when we, when we went over to them, but I, I think as long as you can, you know, bring resolution when you break things. But the most important things, things are going to break everywhere. Things broke on CrateJoy. Things break on Shopify. It's how quickly do you respond and how quickly do you get resolution? And and what you get from those guys, I haven't seen anything like it. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're right. They're, they jump, jump right on it. Awesome. So let's kind of go back though. You were saying you guys were in the heyday, the wild west of Facebook ads. You guys are acquiring customers for ridiculous numbers. Um, so you you kind of went all in on that strategy. Yeah, I mean it was it was great. I, I wish I wish I knew what I I know today because I would have in in my partners Daniel and Patrick we would have we would have taken every single credit card, every dollar we had, and, and thrown it to to growing the business. In 2015, at, at four and five dollar acquisition costs, um, for us it's gone significantly higher. But um, yeah, everything was great, just rocking and rolling, throwing up Facebook ads, and it's not throwing up Facebook ads at the time. So these are the this is the first time we've done this. You know, we're we're probably not thinking like experts in that in that space with you know proper audience segmentation and and true multivariate testing. We're still in the bads and they're working. Uh, so we did that. Everything was going great. And we threw some new ones up uh, Friday, uh, Labor Day weekend. So we're several months into the business. Everything is just is going perfect. And uh, new promotions, all these deals, we're going to blow Labor Day out. So excited about it. Get done with the ads, you know, halfway through the day. And... They all go. Uh, they all go active around like three or four o'clock Eastern time. We're excited. We're all at this point. We're still like in Google Analytics Live, like watching people come to the site, seeing what they're doing. Then all of our ads turn off, uh, and, and shortly after that, we get another notification that our Facebook account has been shut down. And this is at this point like six or seven p.m. on a Friday. So we went from uh, tons of traffic to our site to to literally no traffic unless someone was coming back because they had you know not purchased previously. So all of a sudden we had no business. So it was kind of like a, a aha moment of, of what do we do? Can you can you like translate that to dollars and cents? Like how that affect your bottom line? Yeah, I mean, so we were we were expecting to have like a thirty forty thousand dollar weekend, 
And and that's just with you know first time boxes. Obviously, these these guys are going to love the product and stay with us for a multitude of months, you know, some years. So it was it was kind of a uh, uh, oh crap! Like we've ordered stuff. Like if we can't figure out advertising at this point, like we're going to have our first like major hurdle trouble because um, we've ordered all this product to put in these boxes and now we can't advertise. And we we were we were uh, off Facebook. We couldn't get. I don't know if if you've ever tried to call. And, and get someone on the phone over there. It's, it's a little little difficult mm-hmm. at times. Uh, so sending multiple messages, using every feature they have to try to like appeal this. We got super lucky, and we had a BattleBox customer that was in our forum uh, that actually worked for Facebook and was I don't know a, a couple offices or cubicles or close by the the manual auditing team that was responsible for like killing ads. And he said, do you want me to go over there and like get it fixed for you? And uh, we said, yes, please. And I kid you not, like an hour later, we were back in business and back on Facebook as if nothing ever happened. Uh, but we were very scared for, for, for a solid five, six days because we went from top of the world to we're not getting any sales. Support for today's podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand, US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. There are no hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So let's kind of like break this down to the lesson learned uh, is you were putting all your eggs in that one basket and... A hundred percent. And, and that, then the basket disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then the ba- we were putting all the eggs in the basket and they took their basket with our eggs in it. It, it was it was absolutely brutal, but you're right. There was a a huge lesson learned, and it was one that, in in retrospect and hindsight, is common practice for us now for any brand, anything we're involved in. But at the time, with not just due to naivety, we didn't know any better, and that's just diversification of your lead sources. Like you have you have to have multiple lead sources. You can't be dependent on one um, because things happen, and if your business is dependent on someone else and exclusively dependent on that one other entity or person, that, that can be problematic. Absolutely. So what's the second lead source that you, you went into? So the next one we went into was uh, Google Ads or I guess Google AdWords at the time. Absolutely. And you started splitting it up, the traffic sources and... and... Yeah. Started trying that. Honestly, when, when this happened, it was, it was Google Ads, but then it's right away. Okay, let's try Twitter. Uh, let's, let, let's try Reddit. Let's try Pinterest. Um, let's try everything. And, you know, we knew some stuff wasn't going to resonate and, 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 and it wasn't going to work for, for the right demographic we're targeting, but, you know, let's try everything. Let's find as many different lead sources that, that are profitable, that they give us either the return on ad spend or the customer acquisition costs we're comfortable with, uh, that's profitable. And, and, and let's keep it diversified. And we still keep it diversified. We, 
we we typically have between five and six uh, lead sources now at all times active, and, and none of them are. There's there's ebbs and flows when when we hit an amazing ad and we're able to scale it, but for the most part, we try to keep them all pretty equal in uh in in their their results and and performance. Awesome. And so what? What was the leap from going from you know focusing on BattleBox to kind of you know bringing some other brands under the umbrella? Sure. So um, when when I made the initial investment to to be a part of BattleBox, it was in the agreement in the contract was that I wanted to to better understand the business model of the subscription box piece, and if it was successful, we wanted to kind of stamp it out and replicate it a couple of times. So. That's that's that was the next step. We launched um, in December and January, December fifteen, uh, January two thousand sixteen. We launched uh, first barbecue box, which was a monthly subscription box for uh, barbecue connoisseurs, sauces, seasonings, rubs, uh, recipes, and then the next month we launched Spartan Carton, which was a fitness. Uh, centric workout gear, workouts, um, supplements, protein bars, stuff like that. So we launched both of those pretty quickly, uh, just to try to test. Hey, is this is this business model that more than just kind of the the subscription bottle uh, box business model, but really our our roadmap and our our uh, you know strategy of how to launch one of these was it was it correct? So so we, yeah we launched both of those in in short order and had them until uh, June of last year when we sold sold both of those businesses. So uh, in managing multiple e-commerce brands at once, I'm sure that there was a lot of lessons learned, and just especially with the different types of audiences uh, in the way that you were acquiring them with paid advertising. Pretty sure there's no better way to learn the ins and outs of marketing than you know running your own business. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like in this in in these past four four and a half years, I feel like I've I've gotten the the equivalent almost of a, of a master's in marketing. Like I've just went went from knowing really nothing to to force learning, but uh, it's crazy when it's when it is business, when it is your livelihood, when you've got to figure it out, and and it's interesting and engaging, and you're enjoying it. Um, it's it's crazy how fast you can you can kind of sponge everything and just and just learn. And we're we're still learning. I I, I try to learn something new uh, pretty regularly, and I do. So um, with kind of the, the business growing over time and the brands growing over time, uh, when did you guys kind of take your feet off the gas and like kind of let start bringing in consultants? Like what phase of the business were you guys like, all right, well, we know this works. We need other people to run this so I can focus on either you know, building a new brand, trusting a new model. Uh, you know, when did that happen? How big were you? What was going on? So right when we hit... Um, for Battlebox, when we were projecting so our fir- first year i think we did like four four and a half million the second year 2016 launching the other ba- brands about halfway through the year we were projecting um an eight figure gross revenue number that year and you know we were all kind of burning the midnight oil but there was so much oil to burn like we were spreading ourselves too thin so so yeah we had we had to identify you know what's what's something that we're comfortable finding uh, experts on, 
and, and what do we what do we think that we're doing okay that, that maybe someone else can do better someone smarter and can do a better job um so the first thing we started doing was was outsourcing some some of our marketing so we took uh paid advertising about 80 percent of our social content and then some tech at the time just like con- connections and integrations and 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 setting up some automation so we we outsourced all of that to an agency um same agency was doing everything absolutely and that allowed you to focus on kind of that the things that you were uniquely qualified to do i guess correct um yeah it's it's let's let's focus on the things we're really good at um so we did that no longer using the agency um as we've grown we've we've brought um, some of those services in house because we feel that we can do the best job now. Yep. Uh, we still keep we still keep um, advertising out separately. We um, we actually were planning on bringing it in house and had a game plan for that earlier this year. And uh, a good a good friend of mine who I've known for actually a few years, but never thought it made sense to, to use his services. We ended up using his services, a, a gentleman named Brent and company Stealth Venture Labs. So we we go to them and they, they manage all of our um, ad buying advertising. Absolutely. So a question about you know how you kind of you cut your teeth, you had to learn all this stuff. Do you believe that you're better off as a business owner doing it yourself and then hiring someone to do it for you? I think so. And there's been other aspects of the business that probably ring a little bit more true to this, but it's tough to be able to inspect stuff if you if you don't have at least some basic understanding of it. Um, not not that we you shouldn't trust people and just let numbers speak for themselves, but but sometimes it's you you want to be able to look at a side of the business, and even if it's outsourced, you want to be able to make sure that you know they're they're doing a good job. Yeah, and if you don't understand that that part of the business or that side of the business, it's a little bit difficult. You're you're flying you're flying a little blind, and and you just have to trust and hope that they're doing the right things, and um, that's not always always the best best uh, situation to be in. Absolutely. Let's be honest today. All of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rothy's. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. So now are all of the businesses under the umbrella or just most of them uh, on the subscription model? So, so none of them are under the same umbrella, okay. which is which is which is really interesting. Um, they're all separate business units um, for 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 a multitude of reasons. Um, but we do use shared resources. So a, a, a good example would be for Carnivore Club. So Carnivore Club uh, monthly uh, artisanal meats subscription, uh, like charcuterie. We we actually acquired them on July first of this year. So it was a Toronto-based company with this shared resources, economies of scale, if you will. 
uh, an example would be on the carnivore side, the Toronto side, we have a, a gentleman named Curtis, and he was running Amazon for that brand. Um, that Amazon subscription box piece, and then you know traditional uh, Amazon FBA. So BattleBox at the time was outsourcing that to an agency to run to run our Amazon, and you know by by post acquisition and shared resources, Curtis now oversees Amazon for BattleBox as well, um, and. Then on the battle box side, there's some shared resources like customer service, some of our um, content creators, graphic artists. And, and so there's a, for, for each brand, we, we have spreadsheets where we, we track time use so that we can allocate, you know, at the, at the end of this month, battle box, you know, might have to cut a check to carnivore club or vice versa, just dependent on time use of, of the resources. By resources, I mean the employees and us. Absolutely. I, I feel like you could give a crash course in uh, the economies of scale for e-com. That's the goal. We were able to, and, and so we're actually in uh, late stages um, of, of acquiring a couple more subscription boxes. And, and that's, that's what we're doing now. We, we look at their, their, uh, their P&L and balance sheet and, and all their, their accounting docs. And, and you know, we're able to see, okay, so last year, this was their EBITDA. But with with economies of scale, with with this this model, we can take, you know, it maybe maybe their EBITDA was four hundred thousand, and we can say, okay, day one, just day one alone, we know we can get that up to six hundred six hundred and twenty, and then over time, we know we can get get it up to something else, and at the same same level with with the shared resources of you know this future subscription box, they might be able to impact the the EBITDA. At, of of the other brands too, so it's it's uh, again. I, I think I'm getting a, a masters of that as well in the past year. Oh yeah, um, just le- learning uh, baptism by fire. Such a cool just growth strategy for your business, and and uh, I'm super curious about all that stuff. So I'm sur- sure we'll try to have you on again, and we can talk more about the you know scaling your business by acquisition. Uh, that's, I don't think that's a topic that I've, I've seen kind of touched on in e-commerce. I've seen it for kind of other businesses, but that's not really the topic of today's show. Right. I do have one last question for you though. With most of the, the businesses being subscription, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest things with subscription is, is churning. You're losing customers. People are only there for a couple months. Uh, what are you guys doing across the board to try to like increase the lifetime value and keep people around? Sure. So it's a it's a great question. I'll try to give a, a shorter answer, but that that's actually probably a whole other topic too. Um, so so churn is 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 so important. I think just probably in industry wide in the subscription box space because of 2015 2016 when it was seeing this exponential growth and just this boom of of this little sub industry, people weren't focused on on churn. Um, they were focused on you know I can get a customer for four dollars. I don't care if they leave. And uh, obviously now with, with the exponential growth, not really, there's still growth, but it's just not the same anymore. The, the, this little sub-industry, the market has kind of gone back to a little bit more of reality. You know, paying attention to churn is huge. So I think it, it boils down to a couple of things. One, um, and this is for, for all of our brands, it's, we're not just putting items in the box. There's so much more to that. It's about the customer experience and that's important. Yeah, the, obviously the products matter, and and putting high quality products that that have have value in there. 
but the experience piece is, is, is very important too in creating a community for each brand and just engage super fan customers, treat, treating them as if, as if they're family. And that's kind of our, our mantra and how, how we view our customers for, for all brands. So that's, that's very, very, very key. Uh, the other piece is the more, the more math side. So, you know, there's, there's churn, but, but, uh, but a, a chunk of churn is also passive churn. It, so you can do everything right, but you lose these people because the credit card on file didn't work and the automated email that we sent went to a spam folder and they just don't even know and out of sight, out of mind, they forgot about it. Uh, so so it's actually been a big focus uh, for us last quarter and this quarter. So for Battlebox, uh, I'll toot my horn a little bit. We have our, our total churn at uh, right at 4%, which... Typically in, in, in the sub box industry, you're, everybody's kind of around the, the good brands are typically around 10 to 12. If you're under 10, you're doing something really, really well. Um, so the, the way we got down to it was one, uh, you know, making sure that it wasn't just a great product, but we're also giving the customers great experience and, and they're part of this community. Uh, but the flip side is we put some automation in place. I know you chatted with uh, with with Kristen uh, earlier this month from Churnbusters. We uh, we we implemented their product. Um, we have uh, certain parts of that journey with Churnbuster where it kicks an additional ticket off to our customer service team, so they they can take a look and see if 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 a actual phone call reach out makes sense or a text or um, maybe perhaps another email. Um, so, so breaking on the mass side, breaking it down into, you know, there's there's the churn because we did something that that made them want to leave, and then the, breaking it off into the passive churn as well, and attacking both of them uh, at the same time was was really beneficial and kind of helped us get the number down like it needed to be. Awesome, that was great advice, uh, and I'm glad to see that uh, churn busters is out there in the world working for people. Yeah, no, we're. Uh, we're, we're, we're very, very pleased with, with them so far. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before you go today? Yeah, Chase, it's one thing that, uh, that it's probably a takeaway. And, and I, I think those are very, very important. Going back to uh, when we were talking about the diversification of lead sources. So, you know, our average demographic for Battlebox is 24 to 44. Um, and we don't, so with that age group, the, the amount of users that are on Snapchat, for example, are, are not very high because it's typically, you know, there's not a lot of 30-year-old and 40-year-olds on there. So when we were trying to find all these lead sources, we, we tried everything. We tried Snapchat and it wasn't, wasn't performing well, right? Big, big surprise is the, the age dem is just not there. But what we found was, and Snap is actually a, a part of our, our six sources we use right now. But we don't use it in the traditional prospecting like you would on Google Ads or Facebook. We had the pixel placed on our site, and we use Snap purely for retargeting. Um, so it's just another, it's just part of that that you know multi-platform touch that that gets the customer, you know, towards actually purchasing. So it's the takeaway is uh, if you're not having luck on a certain platform, you can always attempt that platform maybe just just for retargeting. And reprospecting purely just as another touch to try to get get that that prospect over the over the hump and, and to buy. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all these insights. And I absolutely will have you back next year. Chase, thanks so much for having me, man. Really enjoyed it. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.